foot enthusiasts, minimal footwear lovers, or anyone trying to fix your own feet, I'm heading to North Carolina this May to lead a live, in-person, three-day retreat all about feet. I'm going to be at the Art of Living Retreat Center, which is up in the mountains of North Carolina. It's so beautiful there. And are you ready to hear what I'm calling it? The retreat is called Healing Your Soul, a stepwise approach to building forever functional feet. That's so good, right? If you want to learn all about how to take care of the muscles, bones, joints, fascia, and nerves of the feet, and learn how strong feet and ankles relate to sustainable hips and knees, this event is for you. In addition to the classroom and movement time with me, you're on retreat. So there's delicious meals, a nature-rich campus that you can explore on foot, and plenty of time for rest and relaxation, all included. A retreat is a perfect way to care for yourself in the moment, but also in the future. You are coming to learn a massive toolkit of information. So whether you're a competitive runner, a dynamic ager, or a healthcare practitioner, this is a weekend full of movement for you and your feet. And like I said, you're gonna leave with a toolkit and a big swag bag that you can use to train your feet for life. For more information about the movement sessions, the food, the center, head to my website, nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. That's nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. This is Katie B, and you are about to listen to an early episode of my podcast. Now the show is called The Move Your DNA Podcast, and you can find all episode transcripts and the show notes to this episode at nutritiousmovement.com slash podcast. Enjoy. This is the 10th in a series of special episodes we're calling Between the Lines, where Katie Bowman and Stephanie Domet explore the deeper messages in and connections between Katie's books. I am Katie Bowman, biomechanist and author of Move Your DNA. And I am Stephanie Domet, a chronically curious writer and radio journalist. So Katie, when last we met, we talked about nature as it pertains to movement matters, essays on movement science, movement ecology, and the nature of movement. And I still have so many questions about this book. Uh, so I think we should just dive right in. So you dive right in, you get right down to business in this book. On page one, you drop this truth bomb. Our culturally approved sedentarism is responsible for much of the de deforestation of the planet, as well as slavery in other places. That's uh, right at the bottom of page one. It's a big statement. And so there might be some people who just close the book on page one. There's there's no spoonful of sugar helping that medicine go down. Why was it important to state that idea right up front? Oh, I think just because I didn't want anyone to be blasted by it after getting engaged in the book. Like I would rather I would rather state up front what you're about to read rather than lure you into something that maybe you're not ready. Like the, if you close the book, that's probably the perfect response mm. for you at that time. So I just wanted to give the biggest picture of, you know, of the biggest picture that I could say in a sentence, I guess, mm. you know, like we, we, there's a lot of talk about, there's a lot of talk about movement. There's not a lot of talk about sedentarism. 
you know, if I were a more technical writer, I probably could have written a book called like How Sedentary Works. Right. You know, maybe that'll be a, a section in some book later on. But it didn't go that way. It was called Movement Matters. So I, I wanted to I wanted to lay out right off the bat that this book was about why we are able to be sedentary, you know, like in a general way, lots of, a ton of solutions. It's way more solution mm -hmm. oriented than it is problem. There's like just basically one. <laughs> it's a big you one. Know, we're not moving. It, well, but it's big only because it's compounded, right? right? The, pro the problem is that I'm not moving to be fully responsible to my, like that's, that's the only problem that I see is my contribution to it. And so the book was just, about that. I mean, I write, didn't I? I think I write it often. I'm like, this is really just a statement for yeah. me. All of this is for me to help me take action. Right. And since I had to work through it for me, then I might as well write it down in the case that someone else could benefit from the steps that I had to formulate for myself. Last time we were together, you talked about being in a Whole Foods in the bathroom, <laughs> <laughs> picking yeah. up a USA Today and learning about conflict minerals, uh, the the sort of highly sought after things that make our laptops and phones and batteries of all kinds work and over which wars are fought and people are enslaved. And that for you was a kind of a, I guess, an eye opener. Were there other things like that? Other things that you began to acknowledge that, that sort of go into that, that line that I just read from, from page one? Yeah. I mean, I didn't put too much in the book. I, I kind of reduced that sentence to a single sidebar that one could choose to go look at the data if one was ready to go look at the data. And I actually asked a lot of people who read that book mm -hmm. and they're like, I, I couldn't look. That that was a big, mm -hmm. you know, where I had to look because I, I was in disbelief when I read it. And then there was actually, I think I shared it probably on my social media. Like later on, there was, there was an entire book. You know, I had heard about it uh, on NPR, you know, someone talking about modern slavery. You know, to me, I, it was always presented in all my schooling mm -hmm. as something that was from a long time ago, you know, and again, it's just part of my, my lack of world e exposure, you know, and just being naive and just, I, you know, lo looking into the things that I was interested in looking at. And so the, I just went, of course, to like, well, where, where can I read more on it? And, and then there was an entire book and then there were all the sources for the book. And then there was just the government website. So I just picked the government website, my government, uh, U.S. government website of going, here are the industries and the products that are, you know, on the shelves. And I just, I couldn't believe it. Like I, what is... Like, what's the opposite of suspension of disbelief? Like, it was just like, I just felt like it was so, so real, like more real. But I, I just, I wasn't prepared for it. So mm. it was a lot of little things like that. I mean, I went through every list, every product list, every country. I looked at it all because I was like, it's not going to, doesn't, doesn't hurt me to know it. It hurts me more to know that I didn't know. And so I can remedy that mm. right away. Right. So I I did that and then worked on a plan of action. <laughs> so yeah, so I made, the movement matters might be my my it's just the plan of action that I could see. Not only for that but of course blending it to the things that I was already working on. Cuz at the end everything should kind of like weave together. We're like on one planet and one set of 
universal physical laws. Like there should be some form to the way that things work is just kind of my personal belief system and, and filter. And so it just, I think I talked about it last time where that conflict minerals, there, there's a lot of talking about like ancestral human movement. First of all, Mm -hmm. ancestral human movement is often noted to be something that humans used to do. So like, first off, I like to say the thing that you're describing (laughs) as ancestral human movement is done by humans on the planet right now, modern humans that are just really outside of your culture. They're very far away. You've had almost no exposure. They don't have shows. They're on the nature shows along with other animals, you know, as kind of like something mystical, you know, as something radically Mm -hmm. different than like not people, like not people who just, you know. Like somehow mythological. It's the same narrator as all like the rest of the earth, other animals on earth series. You know, it's like, it's not another animal, it's just a person. It's just a person. And like, when you read a lot of research articles and have, you know, when you've, you know, I, I mean, that, that was the kind of stuff I was reading in journals. I did a lot of work on spinal curvature in graduate school. And so I was reading a lot of where some of the earlier theories of spinal curvature were coming from. And it was, it is very racist in that this curve mm. belonged to this group of people because they behaved more like animals. Like this was in the peer reviewed journals and data at the time. So I'd already had, um, you know, decades of being exposed to the idea that humans one, were not viewed as animals, and two, subsets of humans were viewed as less humans than other animals, mm-hmm. like as part of my scientific training, like as part of the of the journals that I was reading, you know, reading through. So um so it's I was I was used to that. And I have a history with that kind of, so like when I hear a lot of stuff kind of go down is like, what's ancestral? And I try to be like, no, hunter gatherers still exist. Like they're modern, <laughs> but like there's like, it's, you know, or like when I get it like, oh, the, the furniture free is so radical. And I was like, now we're not even talking hunter gatherers. We're just talking about people who live in, in fully developed, very similar nations that they just don't have furniture. It's not that big of a a difference, but it's just we just are usually exposed repetitively to what we're exposed to. And so we just, again, perceive what's normal, you know, and, and, and those mm-hmm. are, those, those constructs are pretty heavy in our mind. What was the question? <laughs> did I, did I answer your question? I was just thinking, I don't know. I feel like we should rename this. What was, what was the question? What was the question? <laughs> With Katie Bowman. That, I could, I, I could do that show a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this book is is different from all your others in many ways, but most obviously in that it, it really isn't an, an exercise book. There are no moves here per se for strengthening your feet or battling your floppy fin. Um, and as we've been discussing in all these Between the Lines episodes, there is a little movement matters in every one of your other books. So why did the time feel right to kind of step outside a little bit what you've been doing and present this particular message in this more concentrated way. Well, I think I'd already been writing, you know, like if you've read my blog for a long period of time, you could see that I was changing the the scale upon which I was writing. I don't know if that's the right word. Like I was just talking about like the more complex versions mm-hmm. of simpler models and it just it just is. 
You know, it's again, like I said, it's I realize it's just kind of art. Like it just it came out the way that it did. I certainly didn't decide to write a book like this. And it's not an exercise. I mean, I've written so many exercise books in that traditional sense where the exercises are you do 10 of them. They're for this part mm-hmm. of your body and, 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 and this part of your body. And like, here's the stretch and the geometry, the shape of the move. People are used to those exercises. If you go back and read Movement Matters, and I told you that your job after reading it was to come up a mm. list, come up with a list of 20 exercises in the sense of, you know, there are all kinds of exercise books. Like if you're going to read any non-physical health book, they call them exercises, right? When they're do this to exercise, yeah. like to to use your body in a particular way to do some sort of task, asking you to do something. You could come up with easily 20 exercises that are in Movement Matters. There's just not a picture yeah. of a body doing it. So right. that would be a good assignment is to go back and you'll see that there's steps, there's exercises, there's scales. If it's too hard, do this. If it's too yeah, easy, do right. this. It's an exercise book. It is an exercise book. It's just we are so used to thinking of our body as something that moves alone outside of nature one part at a time that when you talk about this really integrated model of putting your body to work, the exercises change. Mm. I'm I'm here for that. I love that. <laughs> yeah, as, as you're saying it, I'm thinking I'm running through the book in my mind and thinking, yes, you could easily come up with that. You're such a school, you're such a school person like me. You're like, yay, I, uh, homework. I can't wait. I totally am. Oh, you want me to make a list of stuff? I could totally do that. And I'm gonna I've get it. I thought right. you'd never ask. Pick me, pick me, pick me. Give me a sticker. I could hear the glee in your voice. Like that was that was glee. That was glee right there. I can't help what I am. Me either. Me either. <laughs> I think that's why we get along. Exactly. Uh, much of this book is is about food and what we do and don't do to get it and process it. You say that there's a benefit to even a need for not always using our tools, our knives, blenders, our mortars and pestles, even if we want to be fully nourished. Can you say a little more about that? Yeah, it's it's just. Again, that all of these moves that you just talked about, the your teeth, your jaw, that this is a huge body part. Not only is it a huge body part, it's a body part that we've become so accustomed to needing a tremendous amount of medicine and technology to work. Uh-huh. That I was like, maybe we should open up the book of jaw natural movements. Mm-hmm. And they would be chewing and of course chewing is one category and every food is going to be a, a different amount of chewing and also using your jaw as a tool mm-hmm. right so when we talk about um early humans we can think of primitive tools but like your tools like you would have your fingernails and you would have your jaw and your teeth as tools mm-hmm. this these are tools for you and I started adding this in. There's a there's a great um, in in Hawaii. There's a cultural center where there's a video um, where this Hawaiian is demonstrating a Hawaiian gentleman is just is demonstrating. I don't know if the dehusking is the right term. He's opening up a coconut with his teeth, mm. like ripping, what? like he's ripping off like one husk at a time. And you can see the jaw muscular. You can see the musculature of the face and this and these bright white shiny teeth. You know, all 
align in a way that my orthodontist could only imagine, you know, and he's, and I can hear, you know, like every parent out there like, don't use your teeth to open that, you know, and of course it was probably something metal or whatever, but yes, they were tools. Yeah. And, and we've really focused on mastication as, as really the only natural movement. But I would add that holding things while you walk, um, you know, like I, we just had a big, um, week-long training here and we were practicing river crossing with our group oh and we were actually on a log in a rushing river you know it was pretty wide it was a good foot wide but it's in a deep river on the other side crossing where you had to go around another person crossing in the opposite way towards you so i had to carry my stuff in my mouth while i crawled underneath between the legs of someone who kind of like went on one foot and walked over me and just to show that it's a whole extra set of hands, if you will, you know, and so many of the processing techniques, so many of the drinks, the beverages, like in, in the various Pacific islands, you've got kava, you know, which is kind of Mm -hmm. like, you know, there's, there's, there's ceremonial beverages, or maybe we just see them that way. Maybe there's, coffee is a ceremonial beverage, I guess, you know, the, (laughs) have a ceremony around it every morning, a little moment of gratitude, that that it's masticated. It was often a lot of food processing is mastication, is other people doing lots of processing with their jaw and then putting it into a big community pot that other people would be able to benefit from. And of course, now we can open up microbiome discussions of like, oh, well, if everyone's sharing what everyone else has, isn't that a way to kind of keep really healthy within your particular group of people and sharing and goes back to that, those small nature interactions. If you consider that you're actually living with a billion other small things or should be, you know, like it just keeps your, your particular number of people you're in or things that you're in a relationship with is keeps expanding more and more. So after seeing that, it really really does. And then I was working when I was on the panel with Maria Shriver for her move for minds, mm. you know, I was looking up a lot of various data where they're recognizing that chewing, chewing is part of how your hippocampus, which is a particular part of your brain, is is receiving its nutrients. What? You know, it's it's blood flow, if you will. Yes. And so I'm going, so you know, you don't necessarily that's how I'm always thinking of like is looking for what because I consider a lack of movement to be equivalent to a lack of a particular set of nutrients, mechanical mm-hmm. nutrients, mm-hmm. mechanical nutrient. All nutrients are discovered in hindsight. The way that you do that, which is in in movement matters, which is you are looking for collective symptoms within a, a group that is all it's normally eating in a particular way. Like what are the foods they have and then what are the foods that they don't have? that we know that this other group had and then comparing their particular experiences. And of course you're always looking for mechanisms. So I'm like, well, here we are. We have like, you don't think of chewing as doing anything else except either giving you a good flavor for your gum Mm -hmm. or processing (laughs) your food. But what move your DNA is all about is, and, and also movement matters is that there are these functions that nature has stacked. So in, in move your DNA, that's like, you don't need a fin, you don't need a bone in your fin to keep it upright because the act of swimming through your natural habitat, it was a, you don't need a bone because you right. swimming plus your particular tissue works in that environment. And so you don't need to have 
your heart. I'm just kind of making up things like you don't need your heart to work extra hard to push your blood up to your brain. We'll just pair that particular function or, you know, you you are chewing because why wouldn't you be chewing? You You have to eat eat your food. We'll make, you know, that that becomes the, the distribution system of nutrients that is the most efficient and very successful. And then that body type continues. Right. So, so then I, you know, so I was one of those tips. I was like, you might want to start chewing more food, like a green smoothie then doesn't provide you Mm. the same nutrients as masticating all of the pieces that you had in this green smoothie. And I have this dream. I stopped blogging, but if I could open that thing back up in a second, I'd do it because I have all these creative ideas of just easy ways to highlight. So I want to take all the ingredients that you would normally put in a green smoothie and challenge someone to just eat through them. The exact right. exact same volume. So like put it all yeah. in there and then and then most of that stuff has been processed for you. So like I already took all the arm and the leg work out of all those foods. I'm only yeah. going to let you experience the jaw right now so that you can see that they are not the same full experience. That that thing that you just hit 3 times on a blender reduced some of the naturalness, the wholeness of your whole food diet, right? So there's that whole section on what does whole food actually mean? Because it's not intact anymore. It's been processed, which means that work has been done for you. And then when you go and look at the 15 things and you measure the footprint of that smoothie, and you still have to go to the orthodontist and have all this stuff done for your teeth and jaw, you start to see Mm -hmm. like, maybe I didn't save any steps here. You know, maybe I just displaced them throughout my life. So maybe I would stop grinding my teeth at night if I gave them more to do during the day? Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, for me personally, that has been, that has been a thing. Like, so one thing I recognized is I don't need coffee in the morning. I need to chew. If I don't chew, Uh I need coffee. And walking too, Mm -hmm. the vibration of walking is also circulating blood up to your brain. That, that, That actually your heel strike, that vibration of you hitting the ground is the free ride of your blood up to Mm -hmm. your brain. Mm -hmm. You can find all that, like on my social media, I post about that and in newsletters. And I circulate through that a lot because I find those pieces, like they're like really what's occupying my, my jaw and mind, you know, this year, I just keep like meditating on these pieces. So a headache is the thing that if I'm going to get anything, it's going to be a headache. But I realized that the headaches that I get about like they're they're usually when I don't eat in the morning if I don't walk and I don't eat mm. it's usually because I'm traveling or because I'm lecturing and it's like some situation where I'm like by myself and I've been on a plane that I would get this headache but then I realized that I could take chew sticks which mm-hmm. are which are a thing and just masticate them in the back of my teeth and the headache would go away or if it was coming on not come on and I got rid of my teeth grinding. Really? Or clenching. Yeah, because it's just, to me, it's a, it's a very powerful muscle. I don't know if power is the right word. Force producing. It's a, it, okay. so it doesn't have the speed. Power has an element of speed, which is probably more than you wanted to know. But yes, it's a, you know, they'll often say it's, you know, one of the strongest muscles in the body, although that really belongs to the uterus. But as far as force production capability, it's going to be the jaw. And so you got the strongest body, strongest muscle doing nothing. Right. Just hanging out. Just hanging out. So I that's been part of my 
movement, like I actually think of it as movement, and I'll probably put it in the next book as, you know, as I'm really expanding to these other levels of like how to train yourself to this really much more robust understanding of natural movement. But then I've been looking at dental caries, the research on people with dental caries. So chewing sticks is actually a thing in a lot of places of the world, places that don't have toothpaste, fluoride, who have much better teeth, who don't have this chronic dental issue and they chew on chew sticks of of particular trees that have you know of course within the tree is like the antiseptic property or the antimicrobial or whatever it is so there's a list of trees and sure enough two of them are in my backyard come on so i can send you the list or we can put it in the show notes and so i was like okay that'd be amazing yeah and so they found like that people using these chew sticks had fewer carries than people just brushing and flossing so are you making your own chew sticks now in the backyard? Well, I, I don't have to make them. You just go break them off. And like now I'm in Amazing. a relationship with my tree and I think about that tree and I prioritize the need for that tree. So it's just, I don't know. It's, it was a, just a very movement matters <laughs> recognition of like, oh, like people chew on trees. Like yeah. this is like, this has been a thing between people and trees. I don't know for how long. But I know that the decline of the teeth of the teeth and the jaw is a significant thing under debate right now with humans of going, there's this transition period where like the teeth and the jaws have gone in the opposite direction where they had been going. And now everyone needs medical attention in this particular habitat, and that involves everything. This particular group is needing some medicine. Mm-hmm. Throughout their life, all of the time. And I'm not talking, I'm like talking about like, like major change with like, mm-hmm. I went to a panel, a dentistry panel at the Ancestral Health Symposium. So to hear all the, the dentists talking about surgeries to pull out and, and mechanically mm-hmm. transduce through different uh, hardware, the forces that would have been on the jaw, you know, through mastication and and nursing. And like they're trying to duplicate it through surgeries because you get to a certain point and there's not not much you can do and so we're glad that we have these technologies but like i'm interested in well let's talk about it so that we don't miss out that that we're deciding we're choosing things that have these costs or taxes associated and rather than just kind of say that this is the human way Mm -hmm. this is the human condition i'm just I, I just I like to keep the full picture. I don't want to make that really small picture that I read about in so many things published a mm. hundred years ago. You know, for all that we're expanding on, I want to make sure that the understanding is expanding as well as the treatments. That is absolutely fascinating. I thought so, <laughs> but I am admittedly biased. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, I want to go back to things that grow in the backyard because I can grow a few peaches, a handful of blackberries, a dozen tomatoes, some herbs in my urban backyard. Not enough and not enough variety for a meal. You in the book talk about going out with your kids to forage for two hours. You, you also get some food from a neighbor's garden, but you're probably not foraging a chicken or a pound of coffee. So to what degree is an outing like that or my own attempts at gardening kind of extra and to what degree does it actually contribute to, to feeding the family? Well, I don't think of any of my attempts as diminishing mine or our family's strain is a biomechanical word and then doesn't have a negative context, meaning like my, my piece of the food system pie right. 
However, I do think of it as gaining a skill set to eventually be able to, that my ability to actually reduce my strain requires many, many years, like, and it might take a few generations of, of gathering a skill set and, again, a relationship mm-hmm. with people who use the term landscape, but it might be my, my backyard or, you know, I started with containers years and years ago, my, my pots, you know, um, to like, I'm just, it's the same as like going to, tra- it's the same as going to minimal footwear, you know, like how much does me going barefoot a few hours reduce the strain of, you know, the fact that I need shoes. This is kind of pulling on some of the things we talked about in, in, in one of the shoe episodes where I was trying to highlight, you know, the weaker your feet, the more often mm. you need to wear shoes. And, and the more it requires that natural terrain be covered with some sort of protective cement so that you can move on top of it safely. You know what I mean? Like you, so, so in that way you require the harvest right. of yeah. or the covering of the earth for you to be comfortable because comfortable is we want everyone to be comfortable. So I don't think that my particular times, any individual time is like really a noticeable tax, a, no, a noticeable reduction, although it is a reduction and at some point we have to recognize that one, we don't, we don't really do any of the little things, right? And, and I shouldn't say that. That's probably not the best way to say it. What's the big deal if I use, just get a plastic water bottle right now or a plastic bag because I forgot? Any one single decision by itself is very small. It's just that collectively we're making those decisions all of the time. So it's very large. So it's it's just it, it both doesn't matter at all and yet it is also the only step to stop. Right? It's the it's the only it's the only right. way things get better is by the accumulation of many teeny tiny stops. So right. You know, we all many of us are like trying to reduce our plastic intake, but if you get to some place and you forgot your water bottle and you're really thirsty or you want the chai with the thing, you're just going to buy it because you just want it. Like, so that goes back to our preference. So like I tried for a week, there was like no plastic July. Mm-hmm. And there's a woman here who will absolutely not, meaning she will go without if she mm-hmm. does, if she can't get it without plastic. And I just realized that like, I'm going to have to start going without or taking more responsibility ahead of time, like to actually change my habit, just like I do anything else for my health, like to make it it's a little harder. I had to start packing silverware and dishes and portable stuff with us wherever we go. You just you have always to, have a mason jar in your bag. Exactly. You just have to do that <laughs> yeah. work. Like we're going to Australia and we're trying to do trash free. Oh, wow. And and there's a, a great rubbish. I think it's like rubbish free New Zealand or rubbish free dot and Z or whatever, where they did a year of no rubbish. And then you realize, you know, a lot of that talk about that it doesn't contribute much, I think might even be a mechanism to not take any action, you know, because we're just right. told that to it's, feel like it's so huge, we can't change it. So you shouldn't even bother. Right, right. And and also, you know, to tell other people that like what they do doesn't really matter. It's all messed up anyway. And then I think back to my kids. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. back to my mm-hmm. kids. 
And I think back to like watching them like how like twist a doorknob or do do something that is just so simple in nature and to watch them and go, wow, that thing is 30 separate steps. And every single thing, every single one of those 30 steps was each acquired over like two days, you know, and and really you could say that there's larger <laughs> things that they're learning to do now that were acquired over years. I just don't have the sensitivity to see all the tiny steps. So I actually think all those tiny mm-hmm. steps of growing your things of whatever you're doing is you motioning your intentions and that you you are signaling, signaling them, them to yourself, yeah. to other people, your environment is responding, you're responding because you're becoming more capable. I mean, you could double the amount of pots you're cramming in your backyard. You can say, you know what? I'm not going to go buy sure. the apple pie. I'm going to make this kind of wild berry pie. And I only have half the berries to use. Guess what? I'm going to have a smaller wild berry pie. Like you just start to, you just start yeah. to do, at least I start to do that over time. And I just recognize like, this is what learning how to do something looks like. It looks like you're not doing it. Right. And we we would never tell a two-year-old, like, you're never going to get that. Why are you wasting your time? <laughs> and you certainly wouldn't email them or comment on Facebook that, you know, like for even suggesting it. Like, And you wouldn't come up with all the reasons that it would be better. But But we're doing that really to ourselves. And I think that that's part of, that's part of like what is counterculture about this is the culture, which is, I'm not sure exactly what it is. But it desires to be the same, to perpetuate. And so it's a lot of work to go off. So I just think about it as learning. It's just, it's just learning. Uh-huh. This is what learning looks like. It looks like <laughs> it looks like 11 one and two fist-sized pumpkins and four ears of corn, yep. one of them that only had seven kernels grow. But but I'm like overjoyed. I was like, I grew corn from seed and no one is yeah. getting full but I'm going to mill it and I'm going to dry it and I will grow more corn next year just yeah. because I recognize the couple of things that I did wrong. And, and I, I don't think that I'm saving the world with any of my actions. Like movement matters isn't about saving the world or any one particular thing. This is about that. Like that these are natural mechanisms at play and, and you can choose to, play with them, you know, if, if, if you want to, like you can, you can take the steps to learn. Like it's, it's mm. not right. It's like the opposite of rocket science. It's like, it's all there. Just it's, waiting. It's the opposite of rocket science. It is. I did. I was reading this line. It's like somewhere along the line, humans became like started to operate under this like assumption that they had to pay to eat and live on the planet earth. And I was just like, whoa, like my mind just broke right there, you know, like, mm-hmm. so I just kind of go, okay, it's it's here. And certainly it's in an, an altered state and there's many transitional steps, but I can, I can work within the capacity that I can, I, I have tremendous distance to travel within my own capacity and take responsibility for that doesn't infringe on anyone else. And so I'm taking it. I'm taking I'm taking right my on. movement sovereignty here. I love it. Hey, can we talk about something from the book that kind of bends my brain? Yeah. Okay. Our scientific pursuits are made possible by sedentarism. 
we may run out of the natural resources we use to sustain ourselves without moving before science can tell us how to move in order to sustain ourselves. Can, can uh, you say a little more about that? No. Did I write that? It's terrible. You sure did. Well, it has to do with, I mean, this is, it's kind of along the, it's along the line of, of it being unstacked, you know? So the process, the uh-huh. process of science should be pretty foolproof, you know, as you're going through it to collect the knowledge that you need. That's how it's set up. But you have to do it in so many separate steps over such a long period of time. And because the people doing, the people acquiring knowledge that way are sedentary, mm-hmm. the dis, it takes a tremendous amount of fuel to do it. Like we're looking at long timelines. And I don't think that anyone recognizes, so like there's a, there, how much data does there have to be to say move more before people would actually right. come to it? I think everyone's waiting for like, well, just give me all the things that I need to do and then I'll just do it like once I get all the things. So I always think it. Like once all the science once, is in. Once it's all in. Because, uh, uh, well, proof. and also true because it's jumping around all the time, right? It, it says this, but then you look at, right. oh, sorry, it was like this over here. And it's, it just swings like that. Like as you change models, it swings back and forth and eventually it settles somewhere in the middle. But you're talking hundreds of years. And I don't know, I mean, not knowing anything about the rate of consumption and what's left to consume and, and without really knowing any numbers, I'm not certain. And, and given the amount of time it like to find out everything, you know, or even half of everything, mm. I, I kind of look back at the, uh, the process of gathering dietary nutrients and the fact that it was hundreds of years. And then so much of it is like, Hey, but we can, you know, we're creating computers to run huge algorithms. But what no one is really talking about is, and to run those computers, to do huge algorithms, takes tremendous amount of resources. The carbon footprint, I've just been, I've been like tripping out on the carbon footprint of the internet. It's (laughs) blowing my mind. It's another one of those things that I perceived as free. And I, yeah, because it's it's invisible. invisible. And I knew it was part of my social media break where I was like, there's a lot of people involved in this thing I do every day and I know nothing about it. And I need to take some of this time to learn. But then like once I once I recognized, holy cow, and the fact that so much of our Mm -hmm. science is done via this. Energy like sucking machine and that we don't have any plans for replacing any of it, you know, like I was like, Mm -hmm. this looks like a. A, a, is capacitance the right word electrically some electrical engineer out there will know it's like it's a it's a capacity and and a in a particular way of learning i i i don't know if we can afford continuing to be sedentary in the name of figuring out what the people need when there hasn't really been a tremendous amount of indication that the people who all have like we have the choice to use information or not or are using it. So I think where you're reading from is a part that says you might just want to start moving. Like you might be hedging your bets mm-hmm. by moving. I don't know if you need data to show you that that moving more would benefit you and utilize fewer resources. Like I'm not I'm not certain that that 
waiting to have that in would be any better for your scenario. Certainly for the fact that you need movement now, like the movement in the future isn't right. going to come back and serve you now. So you, you can't defer this. It's no, necessary. no. And, and it's an infrastructure thing. I mean, it's, it's just a, it's a society thing. It's a society thing. Yeah. So. And you talk about taking your movement sovereignty. So what do you think would be possible if we all did that? Or if more of us did that? Like, what are we, are we talking about a revolution here? A movement revolution? Sure. What's a definition of a revolution? Like, what is what is that? <laughs> I mean, overthrow your own. I mean, all you can overthrow is your own personal sedentarism. I guess that's, I mean, like my call is just, is really, again, the call's to me. You know, like, this is all about just me going, you you have stated you want more movement. You have stated you want the things that can be improved with more of your personal movement. I can't really find too much of a downside for me personally here in taking more movement. Like, I haven't found it conflict with any of my mm -hmm. other mission statement elements. So I don't know what's possible. I don't, I don't know. It's like, it's like it's the same thing as looking at nutrients. Who knew what would be possible with nutrients hundreds of years ago? The fact that like there would be giant stores and websites and knowledge programs dedicated to learning the nutrient list. I don't know. I actually feel like aren't we even less nourished now despite all that information? Mm -hmm. Like aren't we less nourished? 500 years after gathering all, I mean, as a collective group of people, aren't we less nourished now that we have the knowledge about all that we need to nourish us? Right. Yes. Seems I so. I mean, I don't think we've seen radical. I mean, certainly we've been able to eradicate particular diseases, you know, like you know, and being able to have medicine. Don't get that yes, anymore. Yeah. Right. So there's, there's, there's those. And like someone, I was talking about scurvy and they're mm. like, haven't we eradicated scurvy? And I was like, yes, but at the same time, you don't realize how much how much vitamin C has been supplemented yes. to like juices and vitamin D is in milk. Like there's been a lot of policy and government change to nutrition up of the people, right, you know, right. and then through new technologies, we've made it so that you can have calories, but not nutrients. Right. So now we have another issue that requires more knowledge. So just because you have the data doesn't really mean that anyone is obligated to take action on it. So I think that that sentence, again, like that's totally a KB to KB sentence, which is, <laughs> I don't know, Katie, if you need to read any more about movement or frankly, write any more about movement or even do any more podcasts about movement, you just need to move more. Like I, like th this is a, this is a, this is the discussion that's ongoing in my head all the time. I don't know if it's necessary for me to justify my sedentarism anymore because I that's we're all just we just kind of justify it mm -hmm. because the thing that you're doing is the important thing that you want to be doing and then you're making things better over here and over there. So I just uh, it's a love letter to me from you <laughs> from me like all my love letters. <laughs> Dear Katie. Dear Katie. Love, Katie. <laughs> uh, Katie, I have zillions more questions, but you have to go to New Zealand soon. So uh, for now, we'll leave it there. But first, give me your ultimate Movement Matters move. Oh, 
Ooh, my ultimate movement matters move. That's right. Boil it down for me, like elderberry cough syrup. You just said boil it down. I was actually thinking like mastication, the opposite of boiling it down. (laughs) Of boiling it down. Chew it up. Find something gnarly to chew. Like chew something that you would normally, or or if you want to practice, if you want to practice the non-chewing but tool use, don't use a, Mm -hmm. like, don't use your fork and knife. Just pick it up and rip it off with your teeth. Okay. And see what that's like. Now, again, like any exercise, go lightly because you could have such a weakened jaw structure that like adding ripping and tearing could be enough to dislocate your jaw. So you want to scale it to your particular skill level. Maybe start with like, what is my recommendation? Chew sticks, dehydrated, yep, jerky. Ger- jerky, dehydrated mangoes. Those are really great chewing program supplements. And I love a chewing program that involves jerky and mango. I mean, right? Like, who's not going to sign Those up are, for that? It's my two essential food groups, or, basically. Or whatever dehydrated fruit is in your own backyard. That was why I oh, had to stop boom. with the mango. It sucks. Right. I love yeah, dehydrated mango. That's too bad. Over here, it would all be apples and pears. But yeah, like, so just dehydrate something. Which are fine. Totally yeah. fine. They're delicious. I should say that we will have at least one more conversation about Movement Matters, Katie, because we got this email um, from a woman named Lindsay who was so inspired by Movement Matters that she started looking for ways to take more responsibility for some of what she consumes. And I want to read you just a bit of Lindsay's email. So Lindsay writes, It's been an eventful nine months since I got my hands on a copy of Movement Matters. I work full time and I'm the mother of three. So making time to read books is always an accomplishment. I can't quote passages from the book, but the thoughts in Movement Matters have changed the way I live my life. I couldn't help but feel overwhelmed by some of the big ideas So I've definitely gone small scale. I just started asking myself, what's one small thing I can change? I started making small changes, but when I look back at everything I've changed, it starts to look like kind of a big deal. I started fishing. We usually buy our fish at Costco, but I increasingly started to question the decision to buy fish shipped from Norway and all corners of the earth when I live right on the ocean with a treasure trove of local fish right out my front door. As I followed Katie around the podcast sphere, I ran into Daniel Vitalis, and with his encouragement, I went and bought a fishing license, got a pole and gear for Christmas, and before you know it, I had brought home dinner. Don't get me wrong, I'm not some amazing fisherwoman who could sustain her family on fish alone. In the last nine months, I've brought home five dinners from the shore, and several more when we chartered a boat, and I get skunked a lot, but when I'm going out there for food and movement, I win every time. Katie, she started making her own laundry soap. I can't believe it. She's fishing. She planted a garden. She's fishing. It's not a big deal, she says. She's just only fishing. She planted a a garden. No, just catching dinner. She stopped using Clorox wipes. She writes, I've made several purchases from sustainable clothing companies and did back to school shopping at the secondhand store a block away, and no one died. I love it. It's so great. It's just. I think it's so easy. I just think that the dis like we could discuss like all the technicality. But at the end, taking action is so easy, you know, whatever you can. And you because you get to pick the action because there's tons of exercises in the Movement Matter books. There are so many exercises. We said 20 last time. At least 20. I bet you there's. I got all excited. I bet you there's 50. (laughs) Like I just she came. I mean, that's a whole list right there. Those aren't even in the book. She could just she could see how her movement related you know, to, to how, like what she was physically consuming and she just moved Mm -hmm. a little bit differently. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. She, she looked at each part of her life and made a little adjustment. And so I think we should have a chat with Lindsay. Yeah. That would be future. great. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll have a conversation with Lindsay on a future episode of Between the Lines on the Katie Says podcast. Such an incredible opportunity to just see the ideas in this book really come to life for one, for one reader. So there you go. So there is so much to unpack in this book. You can find your own copy at nutritiousmovement.com or wherever books are sold or on audible.com. You can get an audio book. Um, Katie, by the time this podcast is posted, you will be ensconced in New Zealand. You'll be at the Ancestral Health Symposium this month. Is this month October? October? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I was too busy going, what's ensconced mean? <laughs> you'll find out when you get to New Zealand. Exactly. All right, great. And then December, you'll be assigning books and answering questions at Time Out Bookstore in Auckland. And it's going to be probably pretty great. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm very excited. I can't wait to... I know. I can wait to come back and talk about it. I, I haven't even <laughs> had it yet. So I'm just going to not <laughs> jump ahead. I'm just going to go enjoy the time there. Amazing. Katie, thanks for this. Thank you, Stephanie. I'm Stephanie Domat. Thanks for listening to Between the Lines on the Katie Says Podcast. Hopefully you find the general information in this podcast informative and helpful, but it is not intended to replace medical advice and should not be used as such. <laughs>